0: If you've invested in your business, chances are you've funded future growth potential through leverage, and after filling out loan applications and undergoing credit checks. In the stock market, using debt is often called gearing. The new BetaShares Wealth Builder funds, ASX ticker symbols G200 and GHHF, offer moderate gearing across Australian and global shares for investors who are comfortable with the higher risks associated with gearing their investments. You can discover how they work by visiting betashares.com.au. Please don't forget that gearing magnifies gains and losses. So read the relevant PDS and TMD on the website and consider if the fund is right for you. Betashares Capital Limited is the issuer.
1: Welcome to the Australian Business Podcast. I'm Daniel Golubev.
2: I'm Jordan Kittis. I'm Owen Rask. We're here to help you make more profit, find work-life balance,
0: save time, capital, and grow your business.
1: Every week, we drop the best tax tips, marketing hacks,
0: growth strategies, and methods to help you grow.
1: If you haven't already, take the free Rask Business Course.
0: Book a chat with me or Daniel at Grayspace. Or get in contact with us about business coaching. We also love hearing from
2: you. So send us your questions and feedback using the resources found in the podcast player for each episode.
0: Let's get into it. Daniel, Jordan, welcome to this episode of the Australian Business Podcast.
2: Thank you. Thank you.
0: Yeah, thanks for having us back. Today, we're answering questions, which is probably the the most fun uh, of the episodes that we do because we get to hear from everyone and hear some of the struggles or maybe even the opportunities that they're thinking about and uh, just give us feedback as well. You can send a question by hitting the ask a question button. It's just in your podcast player. If you're listening to this, if you're driving your, uh, your car and you've got Apple CarPlay, don't reach for it and then click the link. Mm-hmm. Maybe wait until you park. Um, for sure. Send for sure. us any questions on small business, on medium business, on management, on marketing, on tax. Send us the questions. Um, Jordan and Daniel here from grace base advisory is a tax expert, structuring experts. So many other things that they do. Um, and we'd just love to hear from you. If anything, uh, so, there's the first question, which is from Not Spider Man. Is a Spider Man costume appropriate to wear at your show? Which is not really a question. I think it's more of a statement that they may be rocking up to one of our events in a Spider Man costume, which is cool. If that happens, Not Spider Man, we will give you um, some merch for free um, to go along with your Spider Man outfit. So, that's not a question, but yes, you can come to the, the road shows and the events that we're hosting. Um, these two wow. gents will be on stage. We'll be me. there. Daniel will be yeah. wearing an Iron Man outfit as well. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, you can bring Spider-Man, but there will be um there will be awards, prizes, giveaways, whatever you want to call it, for best slash worst dressed, bucket hats, best t-shirt, um best Hawaiian shirt, however you want to phrase it. We will have probably 20 things to give away at every event, plus other things I can't tell you about now because I need to get the legal tick of approval before we do those giveaways. Um, I'll tell you guys about that off air. So you can find tickets to the roadshow in the in the show notes as well. Uh, the first question, which is not Spider-Man related, um, is a good one. It's a really good one, actually, because a lot of people face this. This is from Jeffy the Builder, and they say... I've started a company, which is in a company trust structure. So I imagine they're saying they've got a company and a trust um, with a business partner where we have a 50-50 share in the business. We are in construction, have had a solid start and now have three months of profitable work lined up in which the project risk is low. We are projecting that in a month's time, we will be in a position to put ourselves on a modest weekly salary. That's pretty good considering they're so new. Um so we can have some guaranteed, that's kind of like an inverted commerce, uh, weekly and regular income for our families moving forward. What would you recommend with this approach? Should we put ourselves on an employee contract and formalise this? I recall Rask has a downloadable format for this type of onboarding. We actually don't have something for this specifically, so watch this space. But maybe Jordan and Daniel do. Um, however, I cannot seem to find it. Okay, I'll just rephrase that real quick for people that um, maybe in other industries. You've got a business. It's all of a sudden started to do well, fantastic. And you're thinking, should I start to take an income? Some of my friends, guys, they have big businesses, but they only take $500 in wages. And I'm like, oh, you you probably afford to take more than that. How do you guys make this decision? How do you think about it? If you're in a partnership, let's expand on this.
2: Yeah, cool. I, well, to first to tackle the industry, it's, it's a bit hard to sort of gauge it as well, given the construction industry, it's so broad. But if you're doing projects, and the thing with doing projects is you need to have quite a bit of capital on hand. Now, in order to do that, yes, it's all good that we've had, I think it was three months um, we're in the profits have been trading for three months. But if you've got some big projects coming up, you have to sort of take that into account as well. So while it may be yeah, there may be money in the bank and yep, it's a good time to take wages, you need to consider the workflow that's in the pipeline because that can also impact that that decision as well.
1: Okay. Yeah, yeah I agree. I agree. And just to sort of touch on that as well, I think <clears throat> having like a regular income for your family is, you know, very, very important. So sort to of my recommendation here, because you're so new as well, is start slow. So work out what you need to live as a family and then from there just just gradually increase over time once you work out what that profitable profitable work is because I think quoting up a job and knowing it's profitable is one thing but then you've got to complete the job efficiently, make sure there's no variations that you sort of need to factor in. Other costs can sort of more or less come in. Like I had an example of a client where one of their staff hired a chainsaw but forgot to return it and then next thing you know they've got like a five thousand dollar bill because they forgot to return a higher chainsaw so things like that will come and eat into profits as well if stuff like that and inefficiencies happen so if you want to take sort of a modest wage start slow start low and build over time
0: i like that phrase start low start slow and build over time okay so Here's a question for you, Daniel, then, because you mentioned the family aspect. Um, yeah, you're a family man now. We, yes. we know this. Um, so, you're in a partnership. Um, mm-hmm. You guys like in partnership. Obviously, yeah. your structure might be different to this. But say, for example, you've got a family in this instance, mm-hmm. Jeffy the Builder, mm-hmm. and the other person does not have the same requirements. Mm-hmm. Do you have any general sense of how you deal with, well, someone wants to take a bit of a wage, but someone doesn't? Like, how do you, is there is there a way forward through that? yeah of
1: course of course so when it comes to sort of 50 50s and and partnerships our recommendation is always keep it equal right so you've got to follow if you know one person for example myself i might need more than, than jordan jordan should follow my recommendation and let's say for example cash is a bit tight at this point in time we can still process the wage don't take the money and build a little bit of like a loan balance to the business so the business will actually loan this director funds so that's sort of one way to, hmm. to build it in. Um, but that's I, 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 I like think it. keeping it equal will be more important than sort of separating it, tracking it, you know, in a complicated factor. Because worst-case scenario, Jordan could be taking it, let's say after four months, the business is short, maybe ten, twenty thousand dollars 20000 But because Jordan's been paid more than what he needs, he's probably putting it aside and create a little loan agreement. Jordan can just deposit some money in and, you know, make potentially a little bit of interest from from the business as well. There's different ways to structure it. It really depends on sort of the relationship that the two partners have.
2: Yeah. for As a general rule of thumb, what we recommend um, to clients and, and businesses is that work out what your minimum is to get by week to week and, and work off that, even if that's not the most tax-effective way to do it. At the end of the day, you've still, you've got expenses and you need to pay things. You need to survive and to live your life so work out with your business partner what you need and then anything over and above that given the structure that jeff the builder's using you can pay excess out over or out through dividends but there's a there's a few different ways to do it but all in all I would just suggest working out what your bare minimum is between you and your business partner and then do exactly what daniel said just the bare minimum keep it even so that way it's all above board because you can even if you take less and someone takes more, you can still cause issues there. So you just want to try and eliminate all the issues, keep it even. That way there's no, oh, you've taken more, I've taken less. Just keep it simple. You don't need that headache in your life.
0: So just um, maybe step back a bit. I, we did cover this idea of a ramen number uh, a few months ago. It might even be in the free course um, about like knowing what your absolute minimum costs are, not just for you as a business owner, like individual, like what you got to do at home, but also what the business's ramen number is, like know what the absolute minimum amount to get by is. But I guess like, is there, if we take a step back a minute, is there a way to kind of prevent some of those disagreements that might come up in the future? Like in this instance, it looks like Jeffy the Builder is a company, but there are partnerships, which is another form of a legal agreement. And then there's, Trusts, which is a bit more simple, where you can split income and whatever. How do you guys think about that? Like, is there best practice for preempting some of the mistakes that people make?
1: Yeah, transparency. Just be honest from the start. You know, it's going to business, someone is obviously, you're starting, you know, almost like a work marriage with them. Be transparent from the very beginning. Be honest. You know, if you need, you know, you, let's say you've got a, a big mortgage, you've, you know, had a you know very well paying job leading up to starting your own business. Be honest, if you need $2,000 a week, have that conversation with your business partner because you will need to face that issue at some point in time. And there's no better time to do it than before it becomes a problem. Because six months down the track, Jordan can't turn around saying, Oh, well, you keep taking two grand a week. Why? And sort of like, Oh, I've got this, I've got this. But if he knows that from the beginning, he's not going to have an issue with it because you sort of sign up to that.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, Okay, so another thing that would come out of this then, do you guys see with your clients, do you guys see business owners, because everyone has these great ideas, like we'll go into business together, mate. We'll do it together. Like how cool is this? We're both passionate about this. And then it goes wrong. Um, Do you guys see like a lot of these types of things, Um, would you say it's better or worse when someone has like an agreement in place, like a written agreement um, in advance? Because a lot of people don't, a lot of people just skip that step, you know, to build that transparency and like know where the line in the sand is, so to speak.
2: Yeah. I think it's a great idea. I mean, Daniel and I do it ourselves in our business. There's two of us. So we probably fit this example quite well where we'll meet every month. We'll have a sit down, run through our numbers. This is where we're at. This is what's left over. Has any like unexpected personal things come up that you need to account? We need to pay for this month, and if not, then we keep going, taking our bare minimum, and we're reinvesting back into the business. Even if it's not at the start, as a as a partner and being in business with someone, I would be visiting that regularly and signing off on that regularly. That's what we do ourselves. We work out. How much is left this is what we're going to take each and then on to the next month and it's being visited every month it's not just done at the start and forgotten because things are always changing so that's why it's really important to visit that stuff constantly
0: okay um i've got one final question uh, and it relates to kind of the introduction to this question which is that some people get past this hurdle right and they, they've got like 200 grand in the bank and they don't need 200 grand they only need 100 grand or they are making good cash flow, like they're positive, they're head of tax. Everything is good. It is cruising along. But they still only take the absolute minimum, like, the, like 500 bucks a week. Is that a good idea? Like, I, I don't know.
2: It depends what business and what industry you're in. Given, let's use this example that we've got here, being in the construction industry, you don't want to leave too much retained earnings in there. given something could go wrong and you can be liable. That's something that, Is That can happen and we've seen happen before. So depending on what industry you're in, um, sometimes it's not best practice to just leave all the money in there. And that's where you can get into these elaborate business structures where you're shifting money around to avoid any type of claim and avoid any liability that could arise. Mm -hmm. But in short, um, cash is king. And I think we went through that in in yesterday's um, podcast. But it just depends what industry you're in. Ideally, you want to keep reinvesting and reinvesting back into the business, and yeah, there's no real set method. It just depends. Every business is different.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I um, I might jump to our third question, and then we'll go to the other one that we had. Um, this one's from Marty McFly. Reference to is that Back to the Future? Is that Marty McFly? Yeah, yeah. I yeah. think so. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah, cool. I love it. Um, so Marty McFly says, and by the way, we love it when you send random. Question names in like don't give us your legit name just make something up <laughs> and have a bit of fun. Um, so Marty McFly says, "I want to buy an existing profitable cafe. I need fifty thousand dollars to do it. What is my chances, or what are my chances of obtaining a business loan? And what's the best pathway to do this? I really, I have really good credit, but not a lot of savings. And I just want to say, just on this question, we're not giving like credit advice. We're not telling you what your chances are or are not. We don't know that. Speak to a a broker about this or speak to the bank directly, but we can speak generally from the business side of things, how businesses are structured, how businesses go about it typically and using the experience that we have. So guys, how would someone that has potentially like an opportunity to buy a cafe in this instance, how could they think about that? And how, what are the strategies or solutions available to them?
2: There's a few options. Um, One that actually came across our desk recently very similar situation, um, but there's a, again, it depends on the banks and what type of finance you're going for. A lot of the times the banks want to see when you're buying a business, they want to see the asset backed and they won't lend you the money. Again, speaking very generally, they won't lend you the money, well, the entire sum of the purchase price. It'll only be a portion. And what we're starting to see now is that's even becoming harder and harder because of what's going on in the economy. Interest rates are high, pressures are on is they want to see that you're asset backed. So it's, it's a hard one, it, especially if there's if, – if you haven't got a house or you haven't got an apartment there, you can get – it's starting to get a lot trickier than it has been. Yeah, and
1: sort of on a slightly different note, sort of the start of that, you know, buy an existing profitable cafe, I'd be very, very careful with profitable cafe because if, if the seller is telling you it's a profitable cafe, why are they selling and the second point, do your due diligence, have a look into it. And if you need 50,000, you know, is it worth 50,000? It's probably the next question, do your own evaluation. Don't just sort of go in with, you know, something, hey, it's profitable, 50K, it's yours. Because um, a lot of times if they're saying it's a profitable cafe for a very low price of $50,000, it might be too good to be true. So do your due diligence, do your research um, and be very careful obtaining a loan that you will need to repay whether the cafe is profitable or not. Um, mm. it just do your due diligence because there's a lot of risk involved there. I was, um, look into it.
0: It's good that you say that Daniel, because I was, uh, I did a, for our value investor program, say, which is our online course, it's one of the only ones you can actually pay for. Um, I was taking the, the small group that I had in that zoom through like the differences and similarities between private companies like this, a cafe you might buy in your local mall or strip. And um, comparing that to like a public company, like on the stock exchange and they're very similar, right? The, the owners of this business would say existing profitable um, and on the stock market, they'd say like huge potential, right? And you've got to kind of cut through that and look at their financials and see what's actually happening. But it's even more important with these types of businesses because we know, particularly with small cafes, oftentimes it's profitable Because as we know from question one, the business owners aren't taking an income. So they're basically working for free. So that's just assuming that all the numbers are correct. So absolutely do your due diligence, even if it is 50 grand, take it to your accountant and get them to have a look at the financials you'll probably have to sign an NDA with the broker um, and you should speak to them, making sure that you can actually take it to your consultants, your accountants, et cetera. Um, We had Joseph Healy... Um, and the other name slipped my mind, the the co-founders of uh, Judo Bank on the show recently. And they talked about how their business proposition is effectively offering loans to people based on character before collateral. And to Jordan's point, what would they mean by collateral is most banks only give you a loan if you own a house or you have some other asset that you could lend against. Um, Or maybe a family member has a house or something like this, which adds more complexity. But um, even with a bank like that, the minimum is 250K. So this is like well under that amount. So this might be a different type of loan structure. Um, but just be really mindful of that, I, I guess. Um, okay, good question. Because we've got another question on that actually um, that did come through, uh, which was, just, I'll just nip this in the bud. It was from hardball gets equals bad knees, which we're trying to figure out. I think that's a footy analogy for you You go in and you get the hardball, which means that you go in And you, I don't know, you get bumped around and whatever. But anyway, I don't know the bad knees part, but there's a smiley face there. Um, So what business short course should we do to increase my knowledge or our knowledge? I'm a subcontractor in a partnership already, so I have some business experience. But looking at buying a business, but not a job, already with a management team in place to run the day-to-day, it's a food wholesaler. Um, Well, we've got the free course. We're also working on something in the background um, between the three of us. Um, so stay tuned for that hardball. That's how I'll put that. <laughs> stay tuned for that. Um, we, we we're going to uh, be launching that probably in the back half of this year, early next year. So please stay tuned for that. Listen to the podcast. But um, same rules apply here with buying a business. Uh, the other thing that I would say is I it was actually only last night I was telling you guys this. I enrolled in an MBA. Um, it's not because I. It's going to sound like an idiot when I say this, but I don't need to <laughs> enroll in an MBA. Like I don't need to enroll in an MBA. I'm just, I just want to. Like I just want to learn about more strategies and different parts of um, the business world. But I don't know what you guys would recommend. Maybe some sort of learning about accounting would be a good step, like just even the essentials. Um, so maybe like a graduate certificate for someone or a diploma or a certificate or something like that. Would that work?
2: Yeah. In terms of um, for accounting, yes, it can get a bit. It can get a bit tricky as well if you've got no prior knowledge. But I think given what you just touched on there in the, the course that we're going to sort of put together, we're going to run through all of that stuff as well. So we'll, we'll put together modules where we'll run through the basics of your bookkeeping and accounting and whatnot because there's not too much out there that a business owner can just walk into and have an understanding. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's a bit of a tricky one in terms of accounting. I think in terms of strategy, there's a good book called Blue Ocean Strategy. Oh, yeah. Um I've actually read this one.
1: It took me way too long, but I did get through this
2: one. Um, And and that's a a great book to to learn about, just how to think and how to apply that to your business. But just reading books, I think it's the best way to do it. If you're not sure about a topic, pick a book or even ask a question um, to us and we can recommend them as well.
0: Yeah. So we've already talked a lot about like Gino Wickman's book, which is great for teams organizations and strategy and all that sort of stuff um i remember getting a good bit of advice when i was younger which uh, which was just purely about like investing and it's like don't study heaps and heaps of finance like it's probably not the right thing you probably get enough in like theory and kind of stuff that's not that's like removed from what you're actually trying to accomplish but um like understanding the essentials of accounting there are some tutorials you can watch online um we've got a little bit of it in the free course but the paid course will definitely have more of that um and then i guess the other thing is like maybe consider like some more structured learning um i think depending on the like you said the prior learning and experience it may be hard to get an MBA if you don't have the the kind of existing knowledge and it is a big commitment but some of them offer graduate certificates where it will cover like the basics or essentials of accounting the essentials of marketing the essentials of management so to speak um this is a really good opportunity though if you are if you do have the experience and you are looking at buying a business to really apply the skills that you need like to fill in those blanks as you apply as you go through this process of due diligence like obviously get a lawyer and an accountant on your side for this uh, because it sounds like if it's a wholesaler it might be slightly bigger deal um but get someone on your side and learn as you go, ask the questions to the experts that you use. Um, The next question comes from Techie Tax and it's related to, would you believe it, technology and tax? Uh, I would be interested in your take on this new tax incentive for tech spending. It was the Liberal government initiative announced in the budget for 2022, but only just passed into legislation. It's a real shame because it does not allow companies to take advantage. Uh, I think there's a a limit on that, but, can you, but can you still claim tech expenses from the year end, 2023? I think this new incentive will be missed by many of the other listeners. Uh, guys, can someone just explain what the small business technology boost thing is? Yep. Um,
2: so I'm actually, I've actually been doing an episode about this. So we're going to dive into it a cool. lot deeper. But on its surface level, um, you can claim up to, or you can claim a 20% bonus deduction on any technology. Um, to help digitize your business, and that's capped at 100 grand. So if you spend 100 grand, you'll get an extra $20,000 in um, tax deductions. Okay. And, I'm, and there's four points that the ATO has come out and said what you can claim this on. Um, so it's digitally, digital enabling items. So anything like computers, um, telecommunications, hardware, your internet costs, systems um, to help, I guess, bring the business up into the cloud. Yep. My favourite one and the most interesting is digital media and marketing. So it's very loose. I actually went through the legislation itself and it's very loose. It doesn't specify what they mean by the digital marketing. What they've said is audio and visual content that can be created and accessed, stored or viewed on digital devices. So my interpretation of that is if you pay an agency to create social media content, to create YouTube, you can get that extra 20% tax deduction. Okay. So super interesting. Um, unfortunately, spot on techie tax. It's only for the 23 financial year. And I remember when this first came out and everyone was, well, I was excited. Daniel was excited. And then we heard nothing up until, I think it was about a month ago when it finally got passed. Maybe it was June. So it's unfortunate because I don't know if it's done on purpose or not, but clients or businesses can't now go and, take advantage of that. Because it's ended,
0: hasn't it? Exactly. The period is ended. So they approved it right at the very end of when you could actually use it.
2: Yeah, and I think, I'm just trying to see if there's a date. Yeah,
1: the 29th of March, it starts of 2022, right? So if you've done your 22 return, I'm pretty sure the ATO are allowing you to go in and amend it. And so you don't lose out on that benefit from the 29th of March, 2022 to the 30th of June, 2022.
0: 2023, is it so?
1: No, so there's there's three months of 2022.
0: Oh, so of 2022, financial and then, year. and then it says to June 30th, 2023. Yes. So yes. this is for like the, the, the financial year just gone a few weeks ago,
1: mm-hmm. correct?
0: So you can't do it now, you can't spend it now, but you could have, if you spent it last financial year, like a, up until a few weeks ago, yeah, you may be able to complain claim this. So there may actually be for some businesses a real opportunity to claim. It things that they weren't aware and get the extra 20%. But for sure. There was also another one in here, uh, Jordan, which I might throw to you is they also had like cyber security. Yes. Uh, as one of the four things. So I imagine so many people invested in cyber security related things last financial year.
2: For sure. For sure. I think, um, and that's probably majority of businesses and you may not even, it's probably worth Speaking to your your advisor about it because you probably have spent money that would um, be would fall into this category and the the third one which you haven't mentioned e-commerce so the big thing about that is the it says here the platform enabled online transaction uh, mm. and and portable payment devices and some of these transaction fees that come through for these businesses are huge so it's really important that all businesses regardless of size. Are looking into this and and having that conversation with their advisor because again it's very broad and it's up to interpretation
0: but you but you could basically have any business that fits into spending these three categories like there are other limits which your, your accountant will take you through but um just to recap like digital enabling items is the broad title digital media and marketing which applies to like almost every business that does this sort of stuff E-commerce, which is for businesses that sell online, but also have portable payment devices. I'm thinking like those square things that people take around to craft yep. markets or to like the, the other markets or even just have events and they have to pay for this device to take payments at an event. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are super expensive. Like, I don't know about you guys, but like I see Stripe fees and I'm like, geez, that's like 3%. Yeah, like, yeah. plus. So, um, so and then cybersecurity, like we all have – Anyone that has a digital asset probably wants to back it up and uses some type of cybersecurity. So go and check this out, guys. Like, speak to your accountants and get in touch with the guys at uh, Grayspace. So uh, we've got one more question, which is super important because we spoke about this a few weeks ago, and I don't think we've ever had more feedback um, on one of our podcast episodes than we had on the offshoring episode where we talked about how, like, I'm going through this journey. You guys have been going through it already and probably thousands of the listeners of the show who run their small businesses also have explored this or currently do it, which is offshoring. is using team members overseas for efficiencies, for profit improvement, whatever you want to call it. But they had a question. This comes from Bryski. Um, It's probably the most straightforward name, Bryski, of all the names we've had so far. Um, but they said, read the offshoring. What are the tax implications of paying foreign employees? Now, I imagine this can get quite murky depending on where they are located, but generally speaking, what should people be aware of? What questions should we be asking? Guys, how do you think about it? Yeah,
2: very murky, um, especially because in this example, it, they've said paying foreign employees and it's not con- they're not contractors. So it's really important to um, check your dual tax agreements with whichever country that is. Um, and that's why we've Daniel and I have actually steered away from hiring direct and we use, a, we use a business to do that because that business takes care of all of this stuff because like you said, it's very murky and it can become a nightmare to account for it and process payrolls for it. So that's why we what we recommend to our clients as well is reach out to someone that's already taking care of all this back-end stuff and that way you can just pay your invoice and they're taking care of all of the um, employee obligations on their side of things.
1: Yeah, and it also helps you sort of attack some of the local payroll, you know, requirements that they have because these, you know, for example, companies that are already set up doing sort of this labour hire sort of agreements and, you know, getting these people for Australian companies, they're fully compliant with their local legislation as well because not only would you have to follow Australian laws of employment, if you're signing up a foreign employee, you then also have to be compliant with the foreign legislation as well. And depending on what country that's in, like Jordan said, whether there's double tax agreements in place, it gets probably too hard for the benefit that you're going to receive. So paying a little bit extra to a company to manage your employee for you or help, you know, add like a HR function, it's probably worthwhile. And to be very honest with you, a lot of these foreign workers are well aware of um. A lot of the the issues that come about, a lot of them will probably be sort of sending invoices as contractors anyway. We don't yeah. see foreign employees,
0: yeah, quote employees, yeah, yeah, just yeah, just-
1: yeah employees um, coming on board because even they're aware they're they're going to lose a lot of their earnings to withholding tax in Australia, and they don't yeah. want that either. They'd rather pay local taxes.
2: It's really yeah. important just to reiterate that we're talking about employees, yes, because. What we say we, you don't really see this in small business but in the big side of town that's where you will see this type of stuff where people go on secondments and they'll work for like google from from australia it's it's a bit different for small business where we would strongly recommend only using contractors and only using a business that has all of the right processes in place
0: yeah this is something that i've i'm exploring right now right and um there's a load of information available online about this. I think the thing with contractors, correct me if I'm wrong, at least this is part of my understanding, is if you do have a contract in place, you prob- like with that person in that country, is you probably want to make sure that however you're doing that contract or whoever you're going through has done it before and has experience doing that. Like if you're going out and you're just going straight to say a Filipino website where you're creating your own contract and trying to do it yourself. That's probably a lot of risk for that side of the fence, let alone this side of the fence. So get that side sorted sorted by using those people like Jordan was saying, like, and making sure that it's all works out because who knows what could happen on that side. And then employees, I'm I'm probably shying away from that term, to be honest. Like personally, I don't, as much as they will be team members, employees are like a protected word. Yeah, um, it is. So be very careful about that um, and get the right advice, whether it's legal advice or tax advice, um, before you enter in one of these agreements. Like just know what you're doing, basically. Don't um, just go Hail Mary. Um, and I think there's a fair point to be said. Like a lot of the – it's another area where it's murky is a lot of people pay too much. For that thing in between, for that person to sit in between, like you were saying, Jordan. Yeah. Like they can end up paying double or triple the amount,
2: mm.
0: not realizing that only a third of it goes back to their end in team member. Yeah. Um, so just be mindful of that too. Like shop around, make sure you're not getting screwed mm. be- just because you're taking away the complexity. Like I've seen, I'll, I'll put, put some numbers around this. I've seen and heard of Australian small businesses paying $50,000 per offshore employee and employee quote, um, more of a con in a contractor role still, which does not make any sense to me. Like zero. does not make any sense. Um, so just make sure you know what you're talking about and who you're going through is you've done your research on them too. Um, all right. But there, it's a great opportunity for, for business owners. I would say it's a great opportunity. So explore it. Absolutely. Explore it. I'll chatting into a trade the other day. Um, like I said in the previous episode, all of their operations done overseas and they love it. Couldn't speak more highly of it, even engineering. So yeah. Um, Guys, we've had a lot of fun. We've talked about uh, like building a building company and when you should split like money out for wages and that sort of stuff, how you deal with that. Techie tax, a really good thing to follow up with your accountant, especially now uh, as you do your uh, returns. And if you can do, what is it? Daniel, a variation, or did you say? Or amendment. Amendment?
1: Yeah, amendment. Look into the amendment. See what see what's available to you. Again, with stuff like this, get custom advice to you, your business, your expenditure. Make sure you're ticking all the boxes. Um, yep. And a, lo- a lot of accounts should be on top of this now, anyway.
0: Yeah. Marty McFly asked about buying a profitable cafe. Marty, check that. That key phrase, which is profitable um, and understand how that happened with the financials, get advice. Uh, offshoring from Bryce, great question because there's so much feedback to that one. You can wear a Spider-Man outfit to any one of the Rask Roadshow events. These two gents, I, are you, you guys are accompanying me to Perth, I believe. Ooh. Yes, and, we'll be in Perth. And you'll be in Adelaide? Or is, is no, no in? we're
1: missing Adelaide. The next one we'll be doing is the Queensland shows, I think.
0: Yeah, the Queensland show. So going up north, getting some sun on the rig, Daniel. I like it. Um, yeah, why not? Brown, nice and red. That's it. I got <laughs> white and red. They're my two colours. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Um, so come along to a Retro where we'll be talking about business and uh, we've got a segment on that. Uh, and hardball gets equal bad knees. <laughs> <laughs> Um, business courses, there are plenty of courses available. Some of them are too abstract. Like some of the uni courses are just like up in the pie in the sky. Um, and some of them are really good hands-on, but they are technical. So like the diplomas and that are technical. So try and find something in between. Um, send us a message if you need any help. And uh, we'll be coming out with our own program soon. So stay tuned for that. Guys, Grace space Advisory, I know you guys are busy. It's the middle of tax time for you guys. So uh, really appreciate you joining me, Daniel and Jordan.
2: Awesome. Thanks for having us. Bye.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Australian Business Podcast. I think this series is best served with my free business course on RASC education. My free course includes all of my notes, templates, employment guides, legal documents, marketing strategies, software recommendation, and ideas for starting and running a small business. If you're a small business owner or an expert like an accountant, lawyer, investor, or entrepreneur, I want to hear from you. I'm not 100% sure what we're going to do with this podcast series, so I'm looking for sponsors, as well as potential co-hosts, and of course, I'm eager to invest in businesses run by talented people. If you're looking for a supporter or advisor, a silent partner, or even an investor to support your growth, I can help. Please contact me via the RASC website. Finally, if this podcast or the course helps you, I only ask that you please help me by sharing it with one friend, colleague, or family member who runs a business. Thanks for listening.